Welcome back to the Nasty Work Podcast. I am Nia Senior, and I have my lovely co-host with me, Coach Slaw. Today's episode, we're going to get into the Caitlin Clark of it all, from the scoring record to what the media said to don't be a Cheryl or be a Cheryl. So if you're not in the women's basketball world or you've been dead to it for the last like three weeks, then you wouldn't know that Cheryl Swoops, the Cheryl Swoops, four-time WNBA champion Cheryl Swoops, multiple-time all-star Cheryl Swoops, went on a podcast and was asked about how she felt that Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese would do their first year in the W, or just that how they would dominate the W. And she said, well, the W is a bunch of grown women, which is true. And that it's going to take them a while to adjust, basically, summarizing, paraphrasing, and that they're not going to dominate their first few years. Like, they have to make adjustments and just get accustomed to playing at the pro level. Not that they're not going to be good, not that they're not going to be great, not that they're not going to be stars, not that they're going to be a bust. Just simply, it's going to take time for them to get adjusted. Well, this put WNBA Twitter, all of the media all of Iowa and the Cornhuskers into an uproar. They were simply pissed. They went so far as to create t-shirts, Karen t-shirts and saying, don't be a Cheryl and wore it to the next Iowa game. And so then of course, the other side of W women's basketball, Twitter, social media clapped back and said, why you should be a Cheryl. And it has been an ongoing discourse for weeks. So now that the scene is set, Let's get into it. Friday, initial thoughts. Media frenzy based off of, again, not what a woman who's played the sport on all relevant levels actually said, but what really a man who has a personal vendetta against this person said she said, which is, I think the headline in his podcast, which I will not give free promo here, is... Cheryl Swoops makes a fool of herself talking about Caitlin Clark. And that's, I think, what triggered the Mo frenzy around this. I believe Cheryl's exact quotes, and we'll try to get the clip in here if we can, was Angel Reese will be a good pro eventually, right? Caitlin Clark will be a good pro eventually, right? And for she literally said, for folks who don't watch the WNBA, you have to understand the pace is different. You have to understand the stakes are different. People are playing for their livelihood, for their families, and they've been doing it X number of years. They're veteran players. Right. It takes an adjustment from the college level to the WNBA level, getting adjusted to that pace, the physicality, the spacing on the floor, the coaching dynamic, what it means to show up every day and be a pro. And it's a very limited group. There's only 12 roster slots each team. Okay, so these are truly the creme de la creme when it comes to pro players in the world. Like the NBA has an incredible brand of basketball that they play. And it's a it's an incredible group of men. It's a fraternity of men that it's a selective group as well. But it's still 400. It's the 400, right? Yeah, like there's 144. Correct. So like in perspective, in the context of what they were talking about, she was on Gil Arenas' podcast. And from her understanding of what it takes to show up and be a good pro every single day, 
there's no discrediting what Cheryl said on those on those things. Now, there are some who went all the way as to say she made a fool of herself. She doesn't even know who Clayton Clark is. She doesn't know what she's talking about. And those are the statements that really upset me. Is saying that these Cheryl swoops. That's why when I gave the scene setting, I said four-time WNBA champion. Like, she's not some random person that plays at what is it, 24-hour fitness on the weekend and was like, Kayla Clark is not going to make it in the pros or she's not going to be great. Like, this is someone who has not one, but four championships in the WNBA. So clearly if anybody is able to speak on this and what it takes to be a pro, it's literally Cheryl Swoops. I do understand that people were upset that Cheryl did make a mistake on the podcast. And it wasn't what we just described about her saying that they eventually will be good pros, but she messed up some stats or something, which got corrected in that same same episode. episode. Yeah. Again, out of context. And again, a lot of folks chirping about the content that they don't even consume, right? Like most of them have never watched Gil Reed's podcast. No, most of them have never watched Cheryl Swoop's podcast for one. Cheryl Swoop's career and then also I understand like we live in the society of stands now like we don't live in the society of passive fans everybody's fan base is literally trying to be the next beehive for Beyonce like everybody is ride or die for their superstar right and Caitlin Clark is a cash cow like there's no doubt about it. She everywhere she goes, they're selling out arenas. Yep. Ticket for her record breaking game sold for ten thousand three hundred and forty eight dollars. It's no joke. Like the media, the state of Iowa, everybody needs her to stay in the limelight as much as possible because they know she's getting clicks. They know people are paying money to go see her brand of basketball. So. People who, I, in my opinion, have not been following Caitlin Clark from the beginning, and I'm not talking about Cheryl Swoops, I'm talking about the pundits that are attacking Cheryl Swoops, have decided this was their opportunity to try to cash in on some of that following by creating a dynamic of clickbait, by creating a dynamic of division. Caitlin Clark fan base is more like the barbs instead of the beehive. Mm. They are deranged. Um, <laughs> At least right now, the loudest portion right now. Right, the loudest portion. I can't say all of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Are, but it's like that type of contrast, if you know. And so this foolishness like has added so many more clicks and had like fostered conversations that I feel like we haven't seen in the past few years. As much as I hate to see Cheryl swoops at the butt of it, do I think that it's helping women's basketball, helping college basketball? Sure, because people are going to tune in to either want to prove Cheryl wrong or want to prove Cheryl right. I think also it shouldn't be about that, right? Like if you're a dog, right? Like if you're Caitlin Clark, right? Yeah. And you want to go to the league and create your own legacy. Your goal already is to break that lag behind as a rookie, right? Like if you watch Caitlin Clark, if you've seen her interviews, if you watch any of the way she works with trainers, what she talks about, like her goals are not little. She's no. going for everything. She wants the whole thing, right? So it, to me, don't rob yourselves, fans, of her proving Cheryl Swoops wrong. What if she gets in year one 
and she's setting records. She could easily come in and pull up Candace Parker. Yeah. And, you know, be MVP, be all of those things. But she could also come in and pull a Sabrina Unescu. Mm-hmm. And what the hype was right away. Because Sabrina, as much as I'm not necessarily her biggest fan, I can't say that she hasn't improved over the last few years. Mm-hmm. Is she as big as they said she was? No, she has no championships. She has no accolades except for the three-point contest. So, But she's still growing, and she's still young in the league. So it's like, all right, let's wait and see. Like, tune in to see. Correct. And I think what's interesting about the modern age of media where we have all this accessibility to everybody's opinions right now is don't have the wrong opinion at the wrong time. Like, you see it daily now. Caitlin Clark can do no wrong. That was the message sent, not just by fans, but also by media pundits who chose, and they know who they are, to criticize what Sheriff Swoop said. And it's spilling over into all facets of women's college basketball right now because I think about how many times has Dawn Staley in the last few weeks been asked about Caitlin Clark? Yeah. And every single time, she gives a good answer. She gives Kaylin her props. She says something kind. Mm-hmm. But I know that they're doing it to try and bait her. Into oh, yeah. Something. It's clear bait. And Staley's never going to take the, the bait. It doesn't matter what who's being interviewed. Like, no. they're going to ask them. Was it Juju Watkins the other day was interviewed? Yep. It's about Caitlin and if that's a rivalry or if that's something. And she's like, no, no disrespect at all to Caitlin and her game. Da, 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 da. So much of media in general not just in sports is built off of division right now and women's basketball is going to be a tougher um, crowd for y'all to trick into that bait like it's not everybody's a dog and wants to win who's a dog but it's not giving a personal vendetta like no yeah it's literally just if you're a competitor you want to win you want to be the best like that's just the nature of it it's no real animosity it's no real beat if you think in the age of nil the transfer portal being open and so many folks so many young women wanting to go to the WNBA because before like it wasn't necessarily the pathway most folks wanted to take even if they were talented enough that someone's going to try to sour a relationship early in their career with someone who they might down the line work with in some capacity, whether that means we team up next year on the same team, we're drafted right. to be on the same team in the league, or we even work under the same umbrella when it comes to developing products under an endorsement deal or an NIL deal. Like I'm signed to Under Armour, you're signed to Under Armour for an example. In some sh- way, shape or form, you may run into working with these folks again. You may work with them on the USA basketball team. You may work with them even in content if you don't decide to go to the league. Caitlin Clark has demonstrated some ambitions in wanting to be in media. Like, you think Caitlin Clark is going to come out here and say some wild stuff about Angel Reese or Juju Watkins and then end up in a position where she's interviewing them a few years later? Like, (laughs) these kids are smarter than y'all. So many of these people had prior relationships. The women's basketball community is not that big. You have played them in AAU. You have been on the Team USA team. You have been in the same circles or you're best friends with their friend or teammate. The proximity is so close. Social media has people in contact with each other constantly. 
exactly what you said. They're so smart. They're so media trained. And sometimes I wish that they weren't. I, I kind of, <laughs> you know, just for the mess of it all, I say that I would want it to be messy is because of the previous way that women's basketball has been handled. It's always been handled with kids' gloves. It's like, oh, this is a sisterhood. We have to be friends. We need to be kumbayaing. And it's like, okay, that's fine in certain instances if that's genuine, if that's really what's happening on. If on your team, y'all really are friends, if y'all really do have that great relationship. And plus, I feel like great rivalries help to build the game. And they also just give you something to look forward to, whether that's a rivalry between whole franchises or rivalry between players. Like, it's okay to not love everybody. But there's also doesn't mean you have to disrespect them. But I feel like we need to you know, give a little bit more lane for a little mess. Be like, okay, yeah, Caitlin's great. Juju could have been like, yeah, Caitlin's great, but I just scored 51. Like, hit me up when she scores 50. Don Staley recently said she doesn't think anyone's going to break Caitlin Clark's record. The scoring record? Mm-hmm. This is the first time I think I've ever disagreed with Don Staley. Yeah, it's definitely going to be broken, and Juju's yeah. going to do it. Yeah, if Juju does it, I could see Hannah Hidalgo put some money on them books, okay? I could Michaela see Williams. Michaela Williams. I could see Malaysia Full Wiley. I was, I could even see Ashton Watkins. Well, no, she's too far gone. Okay, if she had a couple more years, she she could have done it. I even think Madison Booker from Texas, she could do it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, but, I have to disagree um, with Don. Love her. That's our boo. But <laughs> I mean, she knows the game way better than we do. But if things go well, people don't get injured and people continue to play the defense or lack thereof they're playing. <laughs> I don't see how Juju doesn't get those buckets because Juju is still improving. Oh, yeah. I think Juju definitely has the potential to do it, not only dropping the 51, just looking at her stats. I literally was looking at them last night. She's already had 10 30-point games mm-hmm. this year. She's beating – she's tied right now with Cheryl Miller's record at USC. I think she could easily break it. But speaking about, like, the scoring record – it just really shows how much of the Caitlin Clark stands are scaring the people in the women's basketball community because Kelsey Plum, who's previously held the record before her, literally made sure that she issued a tweet congratulating Caitlin before she even broke it. She said, oh, I'm early. But she was like, you know, hey, congrats, girl, whatever. Like, that's just who KP is. And she's spoken about her time dealing when she was breaking the record and how that was a rough time for her. So it's not a surprising thing, but it's also like, hmm, another note. Like, someone as big as Kelsey Plum, who just previously held the record, was like, let me make sure I congratulate this girl so they don't come after me too. I think Kelsey would have done that anyway. But it's like, again, like you said, everybody has to be on their P's and Q's in the media environment that we are in your silence on something can be twisted into you being anti so that's just kind of the place that we're at but I also am interested in this other dynamic that came out of this that was painted as like a generational divide right Mm -hmm. like there were folks saying oh the older generation of W stars and women's basketball players from the NCAA don't respect the game of current players and painting this as one yet another example of like not wanting to give younger players their flowers them being the older generation not wanting to acknowledge that the game has gotten more competitive the game has gotten a better dynamic and branding like not wanting to 
give any credit there. And I just disagree. Like, I don't think you all are witnessing the same content on your algorithm that I am. At every turn, I see Rebecca Lobo, Cheryl Swoops, Cynthia Cooper, all these greats saying how excited they are to see the attention, to see the rivalry, to see the competitiveness, to see how much the game has grown and continues to grow. That's what they've always wanted. And I think we have to have a real conversation about whether we value women or, or Black women's criticism. One nicely worded criticism or nicely worded realism is construed into you're a hater. You don't want us to succeed. You don't want anyone to get any shine because you weren't getting enough when you were playing. Who are you? Where's all that animosity coming from? Yeah, for those that are just listening to the audio and not watching the video, I'm making crazy faces because I'm just so perplexed. And that's why Sade is um, giggling. But I have two points on this because I'm just really so baffled because I think it is what you're saying. Part of we just don't all have the same algorithm. But at the same time, if you're looking for it, you can easily find it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have seen team videos posts tweets, interviews of current w stars previous retired w stars women's basketball legends big upping the current players or showing support for them in some type of way they're always saying the game has changed it is more competitive they're doing this they're having to deal with more they're having to deal with nil they're having to deal with all these things they're constantly giving them their props if you go to usc's freaking instagram their women basketball Instagram, all you're going to see is Cheryl Miller, Tina Thompson, Cynthia Cooper, Lisa Leslie, big up in Juju. They literally just posted a video the other day. I think it was yesterday of them all compiling, sending video messages, congratulating her on her 51 point game. What are y'all talking about? Like, it's just so <laughs> like y'all quick to fact check Cheryl, fact check y'all yourself first. Where are you at with it? Y'all just say crazy statements and just expect them to become true. Like, no, like some stuff is just not true. Now, my other thoughts on this is the other side. If there are, which I haven't really seen, most of the ghosts and legends that I've seen have been big upping the girls, not giving the girls their flowers. It's because they, as in the retired or the current players, are just now beginning to receive theirs. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, we're kind of working backwards. The fact that Brittany Griner's jersey was just retired. Think about how long she's been in the W. Think about how long removed from she is from that program and for that to just now be happening. Think about Dewana Bonner just now getting her jersey retired at Auburn. I mean, there's so many great women's basketball players that have yet to get their just due. And so in some respects, if they're not giving the new girls all of their flowers yet, I don't blame them because there's so many people that came before the new girls that are hooping who have yet to got to get their flowers and get their just due. That's how I feel about it. But I, what I said still stands. I haven't seen them bashing the girl. They're saying they're soft, anything like that, or not saying that the girls are hooping because every time you look on a broadcast, somebody's sitting courtside. Candace Parker was just at the Tennessee versus South Carolina game. They're always around supporting the girls in some form or fashion if they're not already on the coaching staff. I need y'all to be so for real. Please, 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 please. 
And, and um, two things can be true. What you were saying about like, just because I support someone doesn't mean that I can't criticize them. Like, I feel like that's where the girls are getting confused. By the girls, I mean the people on Twitter. The girls means everybody. <laughs> like, you can show support over and over and over again, but the one time that you criticize someone doesn't mean that you're now a hater. Like, that's not how it works. Right. And it's it's actually hilarious because, you know, there's tons of analysts every day on sports networks that are paid to do just that who maybe have a grain of the talent that of some of the players they're criticizing right it's the double standard for me but speaking of players who have done great things and deserve their flowers yes Caitlin Clark beat the NCAA all-time scoring record but we have to give just due to Pearl Moore Oh my god. AIW college basketball player from Francis Marion University who beat the all-time career scoring record in women's college basketball. That's all leagues, okay? With oh. a record of 4,061 points. And that was done, I believe, in 1979. So I want to give you all the opportunity to Google Pearl Moore. There is now an arena named in her honor at her school. She was an Aismith College Basketball Hall of Fame inductee in 2021. If you're interested, and you should be, I mean, it is Black History Month after all. Okay. Look up Pearl Moore getting buckets and continuing to give back to the community through coaching, youth, mentorship, like an incredible basketball player, an all-around incredible uh, human being. I actually met Pearl Moore when I was in high school because I was on an AAU team where the coach had some kind of relationship with (laughs) Pearl Moore. I took it for granted at the time. I have to admit, I don't even know why, but I was just like, okay, that's cool. Like, I don't know who this is. (laughs) And boy, should I have. Like, we have to do better, a better job, all of us uplifting those who've come before us and really paved a way for women to do well in this sport. So a hundred percent. And so kind of just similar to what we've been talking about, like I also want to give a shout out to because Caitlin Clark is dominating the media right now. That's all you hear about, like we said, all the interviews, everything. That this same past week that Caitlin Clark broke the record, there was a young lady, I have to I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but she's at a division two school broke the record for amount of rebounds in a game she had 44 rebounds y'all wow and she only played 26 minutes that's insane first of all we need to get some shots up you know what i mean both teams because is that defensive what's the defensive offensive rebound breakdown with that that's a little interesting (laughs) (laughs) but shout out to her we gotta google her who's that exactly that's i'm like there's so much going on in the women's basketball world that I definitely think Caitlin is a like we said a generational player someone who definitely brings eyes to the game is a joy to watch and it's it's fun it's great for the game and she definitely should be getting her credit and should be getting her flowers but I just really don't want oh wow this is a full circle moment because this player is Lauren Taylor Center for Division II University Francis Marion the same school Pearl Moore yes led victory and beat her record at so shout out to Francis Marion they're doing something right over there the Patriots doing something right in that in Greenville okay they're doing their big one 
they're oh, big yeah. ones. Okay. So just make sure that we're trying to be tapped in. Let's spread the love around. Like it's enough for everybody to go around. We don't have to spend the full 30 minutes or however long halftime is on Kaylin Clark. We could talk about everybody. So <laughs> Jesus Christ. Just to and put it plainly, Mia's sick of this. <laughs> no, I'm I'm very sick because literally I was watching I was watching the South Carolina Tennessee game on TV. ESPN cut into Caitlin Clark. Like yeah. it's literally a split screen. I'm like, okay, yeah, she's breaking a record. We couldn't wait until halftime. We couldn't wait until the next commercial break. We literally had to cut in the middle of the Tennessee South Carolina game to talk about Caitlin Clark. Rock Rakia Jackson out there giving us bucket after bucket. Bucket and giving us memes. Laying on the floor. Laying on the floor. The dramatics. My, my sister was tired. Okay. Exactly. Look, so. Rakia plays with so much passion. She's going to be the first women's basketball player to get an EGOT. <laughs> <laughs> I be watching her like, my goodness. Is anything, <laughs> nothing is regular. Nothing. <laughs> nothing it's is regular. all theatrics. Everything, Everything is extra, and I'm here. <laughs> Everything. Like, I live for it. She, she just uh, has it. She, she really does. does. But no, but that's the thing though. Caitlin Clark is the money maker, okay? She is the Taylor Swift of like women's basketball. How they were cutting to Taylor Swift in okay. the freaking You Super Google Bowl. women's sports right now, you're gonna get two names. Clark and Taylor Swift. CC T T Swift. That's it. That's it. At least Caitlin Clark is actually in the sports they're talking about, Taylor Swift. Don't got a goddamn thing to do with football, Look, but I I'm not I'm afraid. Out. I'm not Nia. I'm afraid. I'm not coming for the Swifties <laughs> at all. Okay. I, what I what the LSU really be saying? The Free smoke tour at all. Okay. <laughs> you know. I'm not coming for y'all, but I still say what Taylor, I Taylor. You want to go to some Las Vegas Aces games? You know. Do what you got to do. You want to attend some of the women's basketball games when the W starts back up or you want to attend some of the college games in March Madness and draw some attention to the sport I'd love to see it actually you know what I wouldn't be mad at that I would actually that's what I'm saying be useful bring us some money you know if she teamed up with CC now I'm not mad at that well pull up pull up to the final four Buki like come on come on (laughs) T-Swift bring the Swifties out that's assuming (laughs) Iowa makes it to the final four and that's no shade, you know. No shade, no tea. But that's okay. that would be assuming they make it there. Anything can happen in March. Anything can happen in March, and I'm ready. I'm ready for anything to happen. I really like. I understand why so many people want a LSU Iowa matchup again. They want, right. you know. I think sports is better when there's dynasty rivalries. I do. Hundred percent. So. Yeah. But me personally, who you want to see? I just think it's time for Don Staley to cut the net again. And I just, I don't I, uh, 110% agree. I am a Gamecocks. I am a Don Staley fan. Like, it's been time. Last year, she was robbed, I feel like. Robbed. 2020, it was up in the air. I feel like they were kind of robbed again. She only has two championships. She should honestly have about four right now. So this year, and the way that them girls been playing, I know that we've been talking about the Kaylin Clark of it all, but My we goodness. have to talk about South Carolina women's basketball game, Cox. It's just so amazing to me. 
It doesn't matter what game. It can look like they're going to lose. They're going to win. Like, they find a way to win. Those girls they are play competitors. Together. They play together. It's really team ball. Like, literally, the whole starting five and the bench can be in double figures. And it's happened on multiple games. Like, yes, Dawn is elite with her clipboard, but it's also something just so special about this group of girls and their dynamic. It's just, it's must-see TV, <laughs> honestly. If you haven't tuned in, please watch a game. I know we're at the end of the season and they don't really play nobody else in the rest of conference games, but SEC tournament, please be locked in. And I think there's something to be said about great women's basketball coaches because that can do what a Dawn Staley, a Gina Ariema, a Pat Summit has done. They don't just create a great playbook, a great coaching staff, and a great plan. They create a culture that their team buys into to a degree where it's at some point you start to see it just be natural. The amount of hours they put in, the amount of discipline that is instilled and the camaraderie that they're able to build, the chemistry they're able to build with their teams. Like people know their role, respect their role and step up when someone's down. And it appears that it's not out of like- Obligation? Obligation or even out of- I'm trying to take something from my teammate, mm. right? Like they're having an off night. I'm trying to take their spot. No, it's it's out of, we're on a mission and that mission right. is to win. And that mission is, we are on the same team regardless. It's not about who's getting the most shine, who's getting the most accolades, who's getting the most time even. Right. We all have been- put in a system where we can make the most out of our time and I don't think you get that with every coach I think there's a few special coaches that do that and I think Staley's one of them oh 100 percent. and just to speak on the culture piece just a teach more like you can just see based on how Dawn presents herself like any interview you see her do any clips that their media puts together or just how they interact is just spills over into the team and like that is the culture that she has established it's a culture that is built upon who she is as a person and as a coach and it's a great balance between fun and work like mm -hmm. the girls actually look like you can see in games like they're having fun like mm -hmm. there's some other teams they look stressed as fuck they're like i'm just trying to, <laughs> i'm just trying to get to the game trying to get to my minutes. right I'll, I'll be stressed if i'm playing them you know they're getting buskets <laughs> on your head but <laughs> At the same time, yeah, you can just see that they're having fun and like they get to authentically all be who they are because Dawn is authentically who she is. But at the same time, they're also always just so respectful too. Like you just know any press conference you're going to see of them, any interview that you see with them, any interaction they have with fans is just a level of respect. And I feel like that's just part of the culture that Dawn has built there. Yeah, there's and a polish to them. It's a polish to them. It's like, we're well-trained, but we're also still authentic. And it's like a perfect mm -hmm. line between that two. And that's really why I thought Juju would have fit so well in at South Carolina, because she gives me those same vibes. She's still very much authentically herself. Mm -hmm. She still speaks with her Cali accent. She always has, like, she never sounds like whitewashed, but she always sounds polished and like she has the right answer. But also like 
Plies even spoke about Dawn's culture. Like it's it's so you know something is so embedded when an outsider can come in for a mm-hmm. small period of time and acknowledge what we've all been seeing and witnessing and pointed out. So it's like, mm-hmm. oh, this is so prevalent that like someone like Plies would come in and say, This is a culture that Dawn has built and appreciated. And to me, what's telling about your organization is not just what you say your organization is, but how alumni speak about and behave after they graduate. And there's been so many alumni we've seen that maintain contact with Staley, maintain contact with current players, like act as mentors and guides to those players, no matter what they're doing. So you know, like we all have different relationships to our alma mater, right. right? I can't say that I've been back to either. I have two degrees to either of my alma maters, except for the fact that I know someone there mm-hmm. who needs my help, right? But it's not because I want to do necessarily justice to the school and the culture. It's like, okay, like, there are a couple of people I still maintain relationships with. Well, I feel like I'm on the complete flip side of the coin. Um, I mean, one of our alma mater is literally being the same one with their graduating same. However, the other one, I have gone back. I do go to homecoming. I do go and try and give back and have mentored people behind me. And have I given money to the school yet? No, maybe later, maybe not. But yeah, so I totally know what you mean. Like, and there was something about that culture at that school right that That, instilled that in you right a hundred percent so it being an hbcu is one thing so that's just Mm -hmm. kind of like embedded in it but it being the school that it was it's just like yeah it it made me want to come back they poured into me they helped to grow me as a person and make me the person not necessarily make me but help me become the person that i am now and so of course i want to go back and relive those glory days and give back to the institution that gave so much to me and so like you said everybody doesn't have that experience some people were there for their four years and they're like i'm trying to get the hell in get out and get my degree Mm -hmm. other people they lived that was their peak of life like yeah and i just I see people like Asia Wilson and Zaya Cook taking time to get back. And it's like, they're definitely busier than me. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> like They're definitely busier than me. So seeing them do that and be vocal about it, in, right. it it's a great thing to see. Is it, And it, it, it says a lot about the culture there. Even uh, the way that they stand up for it. Like, you know, there's one thing to appreciate your institution Mm -hmm. or give back to individual people because you care about those people that are coming out of there. But literally like when LSU and South Carolina were playing, like Mm -hmm. Zion literally hopped on live. On Instagram Live. On Instagram Live, I was talking cash shit. Like going up for the girl, (laughs) going up for the program, going up for Coach Staley. So it's like, no, like that's a, a deep embedded love that they have for not only just the school, but the program itself, so. That's what's up. Okay, I do have like a short, I think, game. Okay, come on, gang. So I came up with this because we all like have heard about the pay discrepancy between women's basketball play, professional basketball players and men's professional basketball players, right? Right. So I just thought we would illustrate a little bit of the wealth gap 
with this game. So the the point of this game is you take two players, you know, similar places in their career, similar stats. Okay. Don't tell them. I'm not going to tell you their names. Right. All right. And I want you to guess their salary. Are mm-hmm. they all going to be women's basketball players or are there some males? There's some males. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Got it. We're going to do three players. All right. All right. Um, player one. Career. And this might give some stuff away, but I don't care. 2014 to 2023 so they've been around okay average 28 minutes a game career these are career stats 13 points 41 percent shooting from the field 33 percent from three average three rebounds and five assists per game i didn't say steals and blasts because they're both in the zero so i don't think that's necessary okay this next player been in the league since 2013, so similar. Okay. 17 points, okay. Mm-hmm. Five rebounds, two assists. Field goal percentage is 42 percent from two, 32 percent from three. All right. Player that's been in the league since 2020. 15 points per game. Three rebounds, 3.9 rebounds per game, 5.4 assists, 49% field goal percentage from two, and 14% from three. Do I need to fact check that? Is that right? 14%? Yikes! Let me not lie. Hold on. Hold on. Because I wrote these down. 31% from three. That's better. So that's player three. Do you need a refresher or anything? I just need, how many uh, points was the first one? How much was their average points? The first one was 13.6 points per game. Okay. So I'm supposed to guess how much I think they make? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I think player number one, they average 28 minutes a game. Yeah. I feel like they make... 129,000. Okay. Player number two. I'm just go ahead and say gender. I feel like they're male. And I feel like they make I'm gonna go with a they got a they got a twenty million dollar contract. Okay. And number three, I also feel like wait, how many minutes again did they play? For number two? Number three. Number three averages thirty one minutes a game. And they shoot in fourteen percent from three. That's definitely a man. No, 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 not 14, 31%. Remember, that was a correction. Oh, okay. 31%. Okay. All, right. All right. All right. Let me not do too much. I like what you're doing, though, with the time to points ratio, though. That's smart. Yeah, you, y'all, I'm not just shits and giggles. Not new to this, true to this. Okay. okay. Mm, 30, that sounds like 31 minutes, and they're only doing 13 point something points a game. No, they're doing for number three. Number three is doing 15.8 points per game. Okay. Yeah. 3.9 rebounds, 5.4 assists. Yeah, I'm going to go with they making a cool, I I take it back. I don't know if it's a man. I think they're making a cool 90,000. Cool 90,000. So we said the first one was a man. No, the first one is a woman. The first one is a woman. Sorry. 
and they're making player one is a woman and they're making 129 yep you said player two is a man and, and is making, making they got a 20 million dollar contract 20 mil 20 okay and i feel like number three is also a woman and i feel like they're making about 90 90,000 maybe 100,000 those are your final answers they are i could be way fucking off but let's see every time i play this game it works okay Player one is Spencer Dinwiddie. Oh, it's a man. It's a man. NBA, formerly Brooklyn Nets, now Los Angeles Lakers. That just happened the last few days. So Spencer Dinwiddie, he started in 2014. And his most recent salary number was $17.4 million. Okay. All right. All right. (laughs) So we're starting off strong. He's so he's not, he's definitely not a franchise player or anything like no. that. I've never heard this man's name a day in my life. And he can okay. hoop. I like Spencer's game a lot. I'm glad he's with the Lakers. Full disclosure, I'm a Lakers fan. You got to deal with that. Yeah, like he's a great role player. He gives you them quick buckets off the bench. He's okay. a decent defender. So yeah, like I like Spencer's game a lot. I really liked him when he was with the Dallas Mavericks as well. So great dude. You know, getting his check. Okay. Beautiful gowns. Blue beautiful <laughs> gowns. You know, I'm never gonna I'm never gonna fault somebody for making their money, okay? If they're doing it. Wow. A role player making seventeen million. Hmm. All right. Sure. All right. We're All not right. finished. Right. We're not even finished. Okay. I'm not gonna knock it. So player two, and you're gonna be sick about this, is none other than Dewana Bonner from the Connecticut Sun. Not by DB. DB, okay. Out of Auburn. Jersey just retired. They know about her. But I don't think she's getting the max, is she? She's getting 200. Yeah, she's not getting the she's max. Getting not the max, but she's getting 200,000. 17 points a game, 5.6 rebounds a game, 2.2 assists, one steal, and just under one block, okay? Yeah. And was drafted by the Mercury in 2009. So, $200,000 last year was Dewana Bonner's salary. And, baby, she had the team on her, well. On her The Beyonce had the team on the back. And, like, yeah, like, it was a partnership. It was, it was. Yeah, you know how Dora keeps Map in the backpack? That was Dewana. That was Dewana. was Map. Right. In AT's backpack. Correct. (laughs) Because AT was a force and continues to be a force. So then that leaves us to player three. Player three is none other than Austin Reeves of the Los Angeles Lakers. Oh, Austin Reeves. Okay. Now, the way they put this man up in the media, they gas him so much. And I love Austin. Okay. But let's be serious. This is what we're talking about. 15.8 points per game. 3.9 rebounds. 5.4 assists, 49% shooting. So takes good shots. Yeah, good shots. And 15 points. That's a time thing, and rotations have been strange this year. So, okay. And I'll give it to him there because, like, 15.8 in 30 minutes is still good. It's still good. Yeah, it's still good. Yeah. I just think about the men's game, they have more time. Like, but when you play with AD and LeBron, you get less touches also. Of course, of course. So it's a little strange. All right. So Austin, how much did Austin Reeves make last year? He signed a max and he made $13.4 million now. That's what that's what he's getting paid. Okay. 
a less, way less than I thought it was gonna be, but it's still egregious compared to the one of honor. <laughs> like I said, Jersey just got hung in the rafters. A mother, but in the fucking league since Obama was in administration, and <laughs> she's making what less than what my colleagues make year one. We year one and a law firm, firm slaving away. I mean, excuse me, working diligently for their clients one of your classmates is in the other room right now just you know doing the best she can to provide excellent work product uh to put some things in perspective and no we're not so bad at math that we don't understand how revenue share and contracts and rev- like all of that works and the difference between the leagues is Dewana Bonner making the on the higher end of the scale compared to other W players based off oh, of her sure. play absolutely it still took her over 10 oh, seasons to get right. there and <laughs> it's still not even half a million dollars as far as her salary is concerned and the revenue sharing between things for selling merch and selling, you know, things to vendors, ticket shares, none of that is the same as what the men get. Um, I'm so glad you brought this up because I know you in your brain. You know you saw the interview again, same podcast, talking that shit, Gil's Arena and Lexi Brown and them, and they were talking about how players, like the women, are advocating for more money quote unquote but what the women really were asking for was the same amount of revenue share Mm -hmm. as what the men get so that's completely different than talking about what we think we should be making the money no the women don't think they should be making 13 million or however much austin reeves is making because at this time the league is not making enough to pay them that you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like no one thinks that but they definitely should be making money. There's no reason that they get zero dollars, like a goose egg, zero dollars from ticket sales, jersey sales, merch, all of that stuff. Like, think about how many Dewana Bonner jerseys you've seen. Like, especially compared to other W players, like I've seen so many. Hella, because, like it just doesn't make sense to me. Also, bringing NIL back into it, the college players now get paid off of their jerseys. Correct. I understand different money, different, all of that stuff, the way metrics and all that stuff work. However, there's no reason that they shouldn't be getting paid for New Jersey at the bare minimum. And to put it in perspective, the collective bargaining agreement for the NBA, I believe right now, splits revenue share 50% with the players. That's an all-encompassing package of like the tickets, the merchandise, the media rights. So there's yeah. a breakdown beyond that. But like overall, it's a 50-50 between the players and the owners and so i just want to ask you what i saw is in the comments to that same podcast where they were talking about this is there was some ignorant man who was just saying well if the women want to in turn get that same percentage of revenue shares that the men get are they gonna share in the loss because they're saying right now that the w's in the red every year and so it's coming out in the negative so it was like well should the w players then have to go and pay to play no no i'm gonna answer it for y'all no because what the that don't even make no damn sense and clearly y'all don't understand how accounting works like (laughs) the cost of overhead all these other things that go into a balance sheet they're not responsible for that 
let's be for real let's be serious like the salary it gets me every single time like the difference between the men and the women is just very egregious yeah i just i don't buy it i don't i don't buy it fam like i don't understand why two percent of jersey sales of merchandise sales is not attainable you know what i mean but i'm also not a not i want to be a do an audit but i want to see the books like why are we still in the negative this many years removed idiots will say that it's because nobody's interested in the product but i think that there's some form of mismanagement or something that has to be going on because i'm just so perplexed at how this is still working this way all of these years later we're going into what year 27 of the league it's like what have we not learned or what are you guys not doing differently or what's going on i need to see the books I think it's just going to continue to improve. I think a lot of it too is how are things tied together and what is your strategy and is it to identify and get buy-in from W fans? We've talked about the marketing strategy for ticket sales for, for teams before offline. And, you know, I think there's a huge misconception that, the fan base of the W is really like you're able to tap into it just by finding the most enthusiastic women about it. Probably people who are former players and things of that nature, but like the number one audience that goes to the WNBA website is men. Majority of ticket sales, men. So when you have that going on, but then majority of your merchandise, majority of your ticket sales strategy is geared towards a women's audience. Not that that's not important for the growth of the game, but it kind of misses the mark on like what your bread and butter could be. I think there's also a huge disconnect that people who are women's college basketball fans are automatically WNBA fans. And I don't think that's true in the no. sense that not that they they aren't fans of the WNBA, but they're not necessarily gravitating towards a specific team, right? right? They're it's following players. It is not that same allegiance as following a player to a team, right? And watching that player from like, for example, University of South Carolina and Aaliyah Boston and following Aaliyah Boston into the Indiana Fever space doesn't necessarily mean you're an Indiana Fever fan. Exactly. And how do you bridge that gap there for that fan of like, well, most of Aaliyah's fan base and stateside is in South Carolina. And so how do we get them to be bought into the Indiana Fever culture if their games are not being televised on this side of the world? You know what I'm saying? Like right. if, they, if I have to pay that $25 to get the league pass and it's improved incredibly. This year's league pass was excellent. That it was, it was good. incredible. The year before that, it was trash. That <laughs> I'm glad Aaliyah came into the league after they redeveloped the app. But yeah, that's yet another barrier to 
creating longevity with a with a fan base because if they're following players into the league but they can't find them they can only find highlight and wait for that one game where Lee is playing the Atlanta Dream or something like that and they can and they can travel car, travel and carpool to get to a game then you're missing out right so you've got to build it from where you're at too you can't just rely on people following a player into the league and it's got to be what is your strategy on the ground to get Indiana excited about the Indiana fever to get folks in Atlanta excited about the Atlanta dream like how do you get them on your local news stations how do you get them on how do you get youth involved early how do you do all of that and it's not like y'all don't know how to do it NBA teams all over the country have done it in professional sports. So do it. it. Yeah, it's just that simple. And I do feel like the Atlanta Dream is currently the best example of them doing it. It's like taking what is unique to the city, what is unique to the area that your franchise is located in, that you can pull from that can bring or expand your fan base or solidify it, or even just have interesting things at the game that just make it culturally relevant. Like I think about New York and yeah. how they did the Caribbean night this past year. Mm-hmm. Like think I think about New York. That's and just I how many like, celebrities pulled up. Making halftime like shows actually like watchable. Like I don't want to see geriatric women like doing a pop lock. Like that's just not, you know, it right now. So like that's not an ableism thing. That's just a knee. No, no, that's not an ageist thing. That's not an ableist thing, y'all like. I mean if you're an old lady and you want to pop like by any means by any means that's i like it on i like it on tiktok but that's not yeah yeah, yeah. you know i mean we have to make culturally relevant things make sense in order to bring in marketing like kaylani being at the all-star game even though she didn't sing the most upbeat songs made sense it's hitting a key target audience you know what i mean Oh, I know exactly what you mean. You have to admit to yourselves, WNBA, that the target audience of the league is not going to be what you thought it was going to be 20 years ago. All right. No, it's-, it's queer. It's browner. Okay. Like it, it, it just is those things. And it makes sense because you have the most diverse population of athletes of almost any professional league in the world. And y'all don't tap into it. Like that's, this whole conversation still stems from the CC of it all. They have found someone that fits the mold of what they want the marketing, the, the face of the league to be, the face of the league to be. Mm-hmm. And they have done this for every generation. Mm-hmm. She's a generational player. She is, but it's every generation and it still proves to fail because it just doesn't work. Literally. I watched a Sue Bird interview couple days ago and she was talking about this exact thing she said that she was afraid to be herself coming into the league simply because they told her that she would never be marketed or would not have success of her career if she came out as queer and Absolutely she was yeah. in the closet until she was 37 years old mm-hmm. um and she said that she did so many marketing things that pushed her in this straight girl next door mold and it just didn't work and she acknowledges that and we've seen that. And that's what we're trying to do with Caitlyn. Like, I can pinpoint every generation, whether it's Sue, whether it was Rebecca Lobo all the way to at the very beginning, whether it was Becky Hammond, Sabrina, Becky Hammond, whether it was Sabrina, whether it's mm-hmm. now Caitlyn. It's like, okay, what white girl can we get that's straight enough and as Midwestern girl next door enough to be the face? And that's just like, 
It's clearly not working. So why are we continuing to do the same thing? It's literally insanity. Because they're selling media to your audience and they're selling media to the media, right? So it's it's a game that they're playing of we're getting more slots on ESPN. We're getting more slots on Fox. We're getting more slots on TNT when Caitlin Clark is the face. We're not going to get as many when or if Alyssa Thomas is the face because we don't think our audience is ready for that. Right. And that's that those are all choices human beings make. They're gonna go with that. My whole thing is it's like, okay, we've tried this and it has proven <laughs> to be ineffective. Like at what freaking point are we like, hmm, maybe let's try something else? Like Yeah, yeah. And I hate that they're always trying to determine what their audience ready is for instead of what their audience is telling them that they want. Mm-hmm. Your audience is clearly telling you that this is not sufficient. Hey, we're tired of seeing po-dunk white girls with straight brown hair because that's just not who the league is. That's not who we are. Like, mm-hmm. that was cute. We could still see her, but she doesn't need to be the face of the league. Like, literally, your fans <laughs> are begging you for something different, and y'all are like, oh, no, you're not ready for that. Like, no like come on and I don't think that it will really change until the leadership changes honestly I hate to bash it but Kathy she is just hell-bent in my eyes on still pushing that narrative I'm not in the rooms I could be completely fucking wrong but based on what I've seen and what it looks like I think that there needs to be a leadership shift and maybe there will be a marketing shift and I think that they are attempting to franchise by franchise getting more people that represent the leagues in spaces like when it comes to coaching when it comes to head coaching when it comes to other staff or just like people that are actually running the franchise best example las vegas aces they have a mostly black um front of house or whatever it's called um office office. yeah front office yeah and i'm not front house child that's the restaurant (laughs) Um, (laughs) it's okay child we know you've been outside right right so, yes, it's just, it's very infuriating because it's like, if your fans are telling you that they want something else or that they're open or willing to accept something different, then just try it. Like, you know what I mean? Like if you're already, that's maybe just my personality or my thought. It's just like, if we're already losing, not losing, but in the negative, what does it hurt to try something different? You know what I mean? Like it, it genuinely, I don't think could get much worse. She's a, y'all broke anyway. Anyway, you know what I mean? That's why I'm like, that's why people that are broke follow their dreams. You know what I mean? It's like, damn, I'm broke anyway. Ooh, I, might as well, I might as well try my rap career. And, you know, I think it's also to the credit of certain organizations. I think it is on a case by case basis because, as far as when it comes to owner team ownership, yeah. because, you know, Dallas, shout out to Mark Cuban, shout out Shark Tank, give me some money. The. Man has put Arike Ogumawale front and center of everything they were doing, right? Will the new ownership continue that? We'll see. But, like, that's a good example, I think, of someone who's not the typical mode of the W being the face of a franchise. Asia Wilson is definitely the face of the Las Vegas Aces because she's the best player in the league. And in the world right now. And that's not up for debate. Yeah, that's there's that's a declarative statement. And still, there's not a moment in time where people don't bring up Kelsey Plum, right? 
So it's like, is Kelsey a dog? Yes. Is Kelsey one of the franchise players? Of course. But For like, sure. Kelsey is not Asian. No, she's not. Yeah. And I appreciate, I said this a bunch of times and I'll keep saying it, that KP realizes that. And yeah. she always acknowledges that. Always acknowledges it. We'll call it out front and center. And all of the aces as well, whenever they get camera time, they are very good at con- controlling their narrative and, and supporting one another. Asia Wilson has a book out right now, Dear Black Girls. I haven't seen one Aces player in an interview in the last couple of weeks who hasn't mentioned that Asia has a book out. Exactly. Y'all are thinking about the wrong league if you're looking for people who are not strategic and not smart, sharp. Using their platform. Um, and this is what happens when you have a league full of women that all had to get a degree. Like, all you know of them I mean? had like, to get a degree. At least one. Pretty at much. Least one. There may be Some a few multiple. exceptions. There may be a few exceptions for whatever reason, but like the vast majority of the league is college educated and from big schools, not little ones. It's a vastly majority college educated black woman. My God. Are you so not thinking? You can try Come it if on. you want to, but it doesn't work. Like you're not going to catch a lot of people in the trap. So yeah, I think the Clayton Clark of it all is really that y'all are clever, but the players, the coaches, the le- the legends are smarter than you. So all this stuff you're going to do in the media to try to create division and hate and villainize folks isn't, it's only going to st- enjoy your 15 minutes. It's not going to stick because what what can you do when that's the best you had is that Someone said Caitlin Clark may not be the best player their rookie year. That's the best soundbite you could use. That's the best one you could find of someone being negative, right? Allegedly. Like, that's not even a negative statement. That's based off of history, statistics, facts, and in an assessment of someone's play. That was an educated and informed response. That's the best y'all could do is find that and twist it into some nonsense so good luck to you um <laughs> no for real good luck and to wrap it up if you don't know cheryl swoops did officially apologize to caitlin clark which me personally i would have stood on business i'm not apologizing because i, I don't think she wanted to i think it was just like why not optics yeah, optics, because even though it wasn't intended on causing any harm to to Caitlin Clark at all, I mean, she said pretty much the exact same thing about Angel Reese. We all forget, but nobody Literally. went into a frenzy about that. She knows that like all it does is draw even more negative attention to Caitlin that she doesn't need. And she's like the face of college sports right now. Like she right. is already under a tremendous amount of pressure. So if anything, I feel like that apology was to lend some healing to that portion of it, not because of what she said, but because of the effect that it may have had drawing more losers who don't have anything else to do, but create negativity to Caitlin's timelines. It's just the Caitlin Clark of it all. (laughs) The girl just wants to get out there and shoot from the logo, but. Right. Twitter her fans the barbs i don't know what we're gonna call them corn huskers the know. cobras cobras caitlin's cobras that kind of eats i kind of like it 
hit up hit us hit our hit up our email. We would we take all compensation McDonald's points. Well, not McDonald's points, free pals. Nah, I'm not taking no McDonald's points. Nah, Wendy's points. Uh, Cold hard cash. I'm just cash. kidding. I have ethical obligations to my employer. I will not accept money orders, cash apps, uh, Venmo. <laughs> put some money on them books okay right for our ideas well DraftKings sports great. book gift cards now that eats a parlay <laughs> whatever you hit on your problem that's that's how that's how we take compensation over here at the nasty work podcast well guys this has been an excellent conversation we talked about the Caitlin Clark of it all I mean we set the scene gave our opinions played a little game and wrapped it up with a nice little bow. And so we'll see you next time on the Nasty Work Podcast. I am Nia Senior, my amazing co-host as always, Coach Slaw. Toodles. Take care.